The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. Earlier on, we were talking about that um, survey in the Irish Times about adults in Ireland and how they feel economically or rather how they feel about the economy. So, for instance, do you feel the global economy will be better, worse or the same over the next 12 months? And when you add together the same or better, you end up with about two thirds of people being optimistic. Um, I think the cost of living will ease in early 2024. Again, about two thirds of people, fairly optimistic. Um, When you look at whether people are getting by or living comfortably, again, you get something to the order of 75%. So three quarters of people saying, yeah, either getting by or living fairly comfortably. All of which I would have thought runs counter to the kind of uh, discourse that we have been hearing over the last couple of weeks. So to get into it in some more detail, I'm joined by Dr. Emma Howard, who is chair of the Irish Society for Women in Economics, an economist and lecturer at the Technological University of Dublin. And Chris Johns, who is a former chief economist of the Bank of Ireland and has previously spent extensive time working in the UK Treasury and the National Institute of Economic Social Research in London. Chris, let me start with you. The situation in which the Department of Finance finds itself as we head into this week, what are the kind of parameters that they need to stay within and what are the challenges facing them? Well, that's a very big question. The first thing I'd say is, sitting, talking to you with this accent, I'm, I'm very envious of the position that the Department of Finance finds in because here in the UK, for instance, the equivalent ministry just hasn't got any money. And that's causing all sorts of economic and political issues, some of which I'm sure you're familiar with. But that's true of Europe as a whole. Um, we ha- don't have in Europe the kind of money that you guys have uh, available to you. Um, you're going to generate a budget surplus this year, which is extremely unusual. So you, you, you're fighting over actual money rather than the usual fight over how much are you going to borrow. And there are a number of issues associated with that, some of which we're familiar, some of which less so. You're going to have to decide how much you're going to save for a rainy day. And there's going to be that kind of decision announced on budget day. How much is Ireland going to put away for um, the problems that could and almost certainly will come down the road? And we can see some of those storm clouds gathering as we speak, actually. We can talk about that if you like. The, the, the main issue is, is that I can talk to you all day, and I promise you I won't, about the economics of the budget and how what the economic imperatives are about saving for a rainy day, not stoking inflation, investing in the country's infrastructure, making sure that we have a prudent fiscal outlook. All of that good stuff is all very well. It's all very real. It's what the um, IFAC, the budgetary watchdog, looks at. It's what your central bank looks at. But it doesn't mean very much. Because this is the most intensely political budget probably in the history of the state and it's the politics that matter much, much more than the economics. Intensely political by virtue of the fact that we are starting to look at the possibility of an election or for other reasons? Um, Both. I mean, the main reason is that, A, you've got an election over the next 12, 15 months, we know um, with absolute certainty. And we also know with some degree of probability that the, the composition of the next government might change radically with a very, very different fiscal policy. And so there are lots of different constituencies that needs to be addressed here, not least the finance minister's own backbenchers, many of whom are facing losing, potentially losing their jobs in that general election. He's got to try and buy votes. That's the nature of political budgets. 
Um, he has to appease lots of different constituencies. The risk that he runs is that in trying to buy votes and at the same time being fiscally prudent, he falls between far too many stools and ends up pleasing nobody. We'll see on the day. But the fiscal situation facing the country could change dramatically for a number of reasons over the next couple of years. The storm clouds that are gathering internationally that I mentioned, but also because um, if Sinn Féin were to dominate the next government, the next budget or Sinn Féin's first budget would look very different to the one that we have now. Okay, pause the storm clouds for a second, Chris, and we will return to them because, as I mentioned, Emma Howard is with us from uh, the Technological University of Dublin. I should give her a full title. Dr. Emma Howard is with us. Emma, that thing that Chris is talking about in respect of the budget surplus and us being fairly unusual in a European, and to some extent, world context in being in that position, it, it does run slightly counter to a lot of the discourse around people being in the squeezed middle, people finding themselves struggling with the cost of living because of the sheer high rates of inflation that we've seen over recent months. How do you square the two? Yeah, and I think there's there's two important points to make on that. So I, the first one is, uh, you know, Chris talked about, and he's right, we do have lots of money available and there is this perception um, in the general public that we're awash with money. So that's what's kind of driving the expectations that, you know, we should have a big spend and we should have somewhat of a giveaway budget. What's really important to note is that a lot of that is coming from excess corporation tax receipts. And if you look at um, the last uh, kind of 10 or 12 years, three firms are contributing a third of those uh corporation tax receipts. If you strip away the excess corporation tax receipts, um, we've actually been in a budget deficit for the last 17 years. So that's to kind of... Can can we just walk through that? Because this is one of those things that I always find, I mean, in terms of eggs in a basket, slightly horrifying. Because, what is it, 10 firms give us half of our corporation tax and three give us a third. Three give us a third. And and how um, much is that in in total cash? If if we're talking corporation tax, that is is tens of billions a year. Yeah, exactly. So IFAC did, so from 2017 to 2021, they looked at the corporation tax receipts. They found a third of them come from three firms. And what we've gotten recently recently is a good reminder of how volatile those receipts are because they've dropped substantially the last two months, right? So, And we're probably talking the Pfizer's, the Apple's, it's that type of They don't entity. identify, but exactly, we're looking at sort of the Meta, the um, Google uh, and so on. Yeah, and the, the so it's, it's very concentrated in the ICT and the pharma sectors. Um, so while we do have money, um, and I noted today in the Irish Times that that uh, they are talking now about saving. So Chris mentioned saving as well. Um, so that excess money shouldn't really be used to fund core expenditure that's going to continue on into the future when it's really not sustainable. It's quite volatile. And now we're looking at, you know, potential. We know we're getting a higher corporation tax rate coming in um, the EU is is actually pushing for... So hang on again, just, yeah. just so that I can understand it. So in essence, what that means about co- uh, funding um, ongoing expenditure is don't use the money that Apple and Google and everything else is making in profit to pay for hospitals because next year they mightn't make that profit. So there's, a, there's more of an argument to use them for, say, infrastructure spending or capital spending. So build hospitals, but don't pay the doctors. Uh, or or don't, don't cut taxes, don't um, make commitments that are going to be ongoing into the future. Right. Um, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is that uh, we're, we're going to breach the plans as they stand. We're going to breach the 5% spending rule um, that the government committed to 
uh, again this year and the plans are that we will continue to breach it up to 2026. So that 5% rule is part of a kind of responsible fiscal framework. So essentially what it breaks down as is that we should, our increases in core expenditure, in other words, funding that we know is going to continue on into the future, um, should stay within 5%. 3% of that is to allow for kind of what we would call the sustainable growth rate of the economy, what we'd expect. 2% is allowed to, for inflation. Now, we've clearly had much higher than 2% inflation, but that 5% is there exactly for scenarios like this, where we're in high inflation, we shouldn't be increasing core expenditure because that's going to further drive inflation. Um, and so the proposed budget is about 6.1% increase in core expenditure, which is breaching this 5% rule yet again. Which goes, I think, to some extent to the storm clouds that Chris was talking about, because if we find ourselves in a situation where we are being, I think the technical term that you might use, Chris, is pro-cyclical, that is not a good thing. Have I got that right? Pro-cyclical policies are very rarely a good thing. Um, either giving the economy a boost when it's booming or giving it a kick when it's falling down. Bad idea. And unfortunately, too many countries, not just Ireland, have a long history of doing budgets precisely in that way. The storm clouds that are gathering for Ireland are actually almost entirely overseas in that there's turmoil on financial markets, which we could have a long and very different conversation about. But joining all the dots about what's happening in bond markets overseas and stock markets overseas, it, it's not looking good. And the connection with the real economy internationally is that Europe is on the brink of a slowdown and probably might be going into a, we hope, only mild recession. The US is looking OK, but we're getting more and more worried about the US economy. And for a small open economy, that old cliche about Ireland in that environment of the global economy, risks associated with it are growing. We need to be very, very careful and mindful of those risks. That's all that I mean about gathering storm clouds. The international environment in which Ireland is operating is deteriorating, not falling off a cliff. We mustn't be too, um, we mustn't exaggerate this, but it is a risk that is growing rather than shrinking. And it's something else that needs to be very much, we need to be mindful of and points to prudence taking care, not being too giveaway on Budget Day. Well, as you are speaking, Chris, Emma here is, is nodding in agreement with much of what you are saying. If you are in agreement with broadly what Chris is outlining in terms of what needs to be done and the risks that we face, what then about the people who are genuinely suffering? Because while there may be a cohort who are sitting on high savings, the increase in prices, the increase in groceries, the increase in fuel costs, if people were on the margins 18 months ago, two years ago, they're in an awful situation now. Yeah, and we do, we, you know, we face a trade-off between cost of living supports and feeding inflation or not feeding inflation. And so what that really means is that any measures need to be targeted. They need to be targeted on those with lowest incomes who we know are the most badly hit with inflation. So it still is high, uh, over 6% in August. And if you break that down, food price inflation was 8% in August. So those on low income spend way bigger proportion of their money on food and fuel, which have been, you know, as we know, rising substantially over the last while. So targeted supports is is where to look. Um, so does that mean not shifting, for instance, the top tax bans down, not removing USC from the top earners, that kind of thing? Exactly. I mean, if you look at some of the proposals that I think are fairly um, confirmed in the budget now, right? So if you look at that proposal, I think they're going to increase the um, the higher tax rate from 40,000 to 41,000. That will only benefit people who are earning more than 40,000. Um, so you're talking about 
a measure that is very much regressive. It's going to give people on higher incomes more and, and those on lower incomes um, no advantage. Even if we look at the cuts in USC, which are also regressive, a little bit better than that um, than that uh, high income tax um, measure. But if you're looking at that 4.5% being cut by a half a percent, to get the full benefit of that, you would need to be earning over 70,000. Um, so that 235 euro that they've said this will save the worker, that will only save someone who is paying you know, that full band, uh, which is at, uh, up to 70,000 in 4.5%. So those measures, while they will give some of the lower earners, say if we look at the USE, some extra money, it's marginal. Um, you know, someone on a on an average income of 40,000 um, might get a, a three or four euro extra a month. But for instance, the kind of thing that fits in the category of what you're describing as, as sort of the, the ideal style of policy is the reports today indicating that minimum wage may be kicked up. That's the kind of thing that should be being considered. Yeah, I mean, min- minimum wage is, is an interesting one because a lot of minimum wage earners are actually in households that themselves have high incomes. So while there's some benefit to minimum wage increases, it doesn't do as much for addressing household inequality as might be perceived and um, because a lot of those minimum wage earners are say you know adult children or older children Living in, in households. a family home exactly a, a, a um, so you know th- right. things like the um, you know things like uh, the, the fuel allowance or the, the social welfare payment increases those are the ones that are going to be more targeted at lower income households and you know the ESRI report for example um, it's not something that I think would be feasible in this budget but the second tier of uh, children's allowance uh, that would be focused on lower income. Those are the kind of measures that we should be thinking about to uh, address those those poorer households. Uh, I'm conscious um, that time is against us, but I, I'm slightly terrified by Chris's um, storm cloud. So I want to go back briefly to them. Chris, Emma was outlining the uh, wonder that is our corporation tax system and its capacity to make us, to, to flatter us economically. Will that protect us from what you see as these storm clouds? Yeah, it does offer some protection because although, as Emma says, there are great risks to those receipts going forward, the risks are actually two-sided. The rate of tax is actually going up soon. And that, other things being equal, as we economists like to say, will increase revenues. The reason why corporation tax rates, corporation tax receipts have fallen is because the profits of these companies have either stopped growing or in certain cases have fallen. We know, for example, in the pharmaceutical sector that huge profits were made during COVID because of manufacture of COVID drugs. That's all gone away. A lot of it's gone away. But these profits, sooner or later, I, I would expect, start, are just as likely to start growing again. So are, there are upside risks to corporation tax, not just downside risks, I would stress. We've got to start doing budgets properly. And I think that means that as we speak, the Department of Health um, and Social Welfare, the two big spending departments, not fit, have not finalised their budgets for next year. They are working on them this weekend. I think we've got to start to grow up and have proper budget debates and indeed think about doing all of this slightly differently in a more grown-up way. Chris, thank you very much for coming on this morning. That's Chris Johns, former Chief Economist with the Bank of Ireland and uh, former economist in the UK Treasury and National Institute of Economic and Social Research in London. And likewise, thank you very much to Dr Emma Howard, Chair of the Irish Society for Women in Economics and an economist and lecturer at the Technical University in Dublin. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.